This week's performance anxiety features actor Carl McDowell. We talk about how he went from playing football to teaching to acting. He tells us about his first jobs, becoming the face of International Delight's Christmas campaign, lending the part of TTD in HBO's hit show Ballers. He also talks about his band, Shit Sandwich. Wait, The Sandwich. No, Left on Laurel. I don't know. Whatever it's named this week, he talks about it. Give him a follow on social media at Carl McDowell. Follow us at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. Remember to rate us and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen. So please enjoy this week's show with Carl McDowell. I know your time is, is precious. <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell me what's up. Hey, this is Carl McDowell from Ballers and the bassist from Left on Laurel. And you're listening to a Performance Anxiety. Okay. So You ready now? Yeah, we we just start chatting and and it's it's gone. So uh so you you're an actor and yeah. a, and a musician and yeah. and an athlete of sorts. Of sorts. Now it's just of sorts. Well, yeah. Well, cuz you haven't done anything professionally athletically in a while. Yeah, no, it's been over 10 years wait what no it's been 20 years Jeez. since i played football man uh organized like organized football so yeah so 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> all right so the, uh, carl i appreciate your time i'm sorry you had to go i'm sorry i depressed you and uh maybe we can pick this up another time <laughs> So. This is Carl McDowell from Ballers, and you've been listening to <laughs> <laughs> the last time I'll ever be on anything with Mark Shea. Uh, so, all right, so you're from Chicago. Yeah, you lived there most of your childhood, and you were now. I'm reading your bio, and uh, feel free to have a drink or something. I'm, I'm imbibing myself a little bit, so. You, know, you can do whatever uh, you want, dude. You do whatever you want. Shit, hold on one sec. Okay, we're going to pause the uh, show for a minute while Carl relaxes. <clears throat> All right, I'm back. All right. So, All right. So, oh, now, now I'm on hold for some reason. <laughs> Yo, somebody just tried to call in. <laughs> Man. Somebody, somebody I should know about. Some a more important call. No, 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 no. What am I? Okay. <laughs> As opposed to me, some dude you just talk to on the internet like every few months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So <coughs> don't die on me, son. Don't die. All right. Don't go to the light, Carl. No, I'm go to the light. All right. So, so <laughs> you're born. And raised in Chicago, yeah. And uh, now, in, in reading your bio, it sounded like you you got in a little bit of trouble as a kid. You're a little bit of a troublemaker. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wasn't a troublemaker, but I found some trouble. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> you're a trouble finder. Trouble found me a little bit, so <laughs> I would hang out with. I had some cousins, and they were <clears throat> they were a rowdy bunch, and when I was with them. I was rowdy by default because, you know, you couldn't let your cousins fight without you fighting. You couldn't oh, let yeah. your cousins at things by themselves. So I, whenever I was with them, I'd be 
a gangbanger Carl or be bad Carl. <laughs> but I really like I didn't go out looking for things. They would go out looking for them. I'd be with them and it happened. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. All right. So you got into sports. What what got you started in sports? And what sports were you playing as a kid? As a kid, I uh just every sport, baseball, football, wrestled. Uh <clears throat> I loved wrestling, so that was like the first my first foray into sports. Like I was a big Hulkamaniac, oh. and I, I would like wrestle the pillows. I'd wrestle anybody that would come to my house. I would wrestle. So I just loved wrestling. I wanted to be in the WWF at some point. Was, That's awesome. The biggest wrestling fan, uh, and also I watched football all the time, and I I liked like the running into somebody or the catching the, the defender interceptions, anything. I loved football so much. So you love so contact. Was, you just wanted to, to to hit people. I think I was just like, you know, one of those rambunctious boys that wanted to, you know, uh, I don't know if I like, I did like hitting people. I liked hitting. I liked getting hit. I liked it all. Um, and I would like, I think I had a helmet one time and I found a helmet and I went and like cut up these, this cardboard and made myself makeshift shoulder pads. And I would just <laughs> run, run through the house with a, with a balled up pair of socks and I would just like crash into everything. Oh. So I would do that all the time, all the time. And I would just, I don't know. I didn't have brothers. So I had my cousins and I'd see them every once in a while. So I just do this by myself all the time. And, and, uh, and I got really good at it. So when I'd go out and play with kids, I, I would, I would like beat them all the time. And, Excel, so I had to start playing like high school and college and semi pro at one point. Um, all right, so you mentioned wrestling. Who's your who's your favorite wrestler? Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk. Okay, man. Hulk Hogan was my favorite wrestler of all times. I uh, got into Stone Cold. I love Junkyard Dog. I love like the old wrestling, like WWF with Ricky Steamboat and Junkyard yes. Dog, Killer Bees. That's my that's my wrestling. That's when I was into it. Oh man, Superfly uh, Snooker before he got did he murder somebody or something? Did he murder somebody? He, yeah, I think he he got in some big trouble. He's he was in jail and didn't he just die or Superfly? Yeah. I didn't know this about Superfly. Oh yeah, yeah. You gotta look up Superfly. He's he's uh he's a troublemaker too. Not know Superfly was killing people out he here. Was, yeah, he, I, I think it was. I think he murdered somebody. I could be. I could be defaming Superfly right now, but you know, <laughs> I don't really You're get a Superfly's lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Super Lawyer Snooker. So, <laughs> but I uh, see. I, I as a kid, man, I loved. Obviously, everybody like loved Hulk. And then it's funny. Did you ever? I, I I got out of wrestling for a while, and then my brother actually got me back into it. Like in the late nineties with uh, mm-hmm. the WCW and all. And I started, I'll tell you who I love. I loved Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho was my guy. WWF at some WWE at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, ever watched WCW. It was too, too real for me. I liked the theatrics of the WWF. Yeah. Uh, the WWCW was like way too real for me. I, rem- <laughs> I remember seeing Ric Flair, and I did like like Kerry Von Eric, I, all those guys. I remember them, but I never really watched it because yeah. it was just way too real for me. But you like Jericho? How was he in WCW? Oh, dude, he was the best because he would 
he would come in and he was just like the comic relief for for the entire yeah. league, for their federation or whatever the hell you call a group of wrestlers. He would come into the <laughs> into the ring, and he would just start screaming out lyrics from '80s songs. Like he would grab the mic, and so this is like you know '98. 99, 2000, somewhere around there. And he's, he gets up, he gets up the mic. He's, he pulls the mic away from the ref and he's sitting there yelling at the crowd. And he's like, I want you to want me. <laughs> and then he walked, he walks around this, the, the, the uh, ring and he's like, I'm going to rock down to Electric Avenue. And then really? I'm going to take it higher. Oh and then, no! And everybody's going nuts. And he's he's quoting Eddie Grant, and it's just dude, he was my favorite. That sounds cool. Yeah, I, I never I never got into those dudes. Oh, Chris uh, Jericho is the best. I did get back into the WWF at some well, WWE. I got that back into the WWE um, at some point when Stone Cold was doing his thing. Yep, and I liked, I liked him a lot. Weirdly enough, I don't think I've ever seen The Rock wrestle. I, oh my gosh, dude! The, one of my favorite wrestling moments had to do with The Rock and the the uh, Nation of Domination. And and Mm-mm. I wasn't a huge wrestling follower. I'd go over and watch once or a week. Me, my, me, and my brother would meet up at my dad's, and we'd just kind of watch it. it it's kind of like a soap opera for us, you know, because they had all the storylines yeah. going. Soap yeah. opera for guys. So they had. Uh, a lot like college game day, they would have people with these with signs in the background, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it was. I, I know one of them was with the the Nation of Domination. I think they may have both been. Rock is in the ring, making these monologues, you know, doing what the Rock does, and smelling what the Rock's cooking. And somebody <laughs> pulls up this sign and it says "Nation of <laughs> Defecation." And I'm like, dude, I started, I lost my shit. I thought it was the funniest sign I'd ever seen. That's and, hilarious. And then some other dude starts walking around with this with another sign that just says, I like potato salad. What? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it's it's like the guy, if you ever watch College Game Day, there's always some guy there. The yeah, there's always some guy with the sign that says, I'm Asian. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just... <laughs> Those are the yeah, best signs. The signs that make absolutely no sense are my favorite. I like potato salad. Yeah, he's just walking around the ring. The camera was following him. He just has, I like potato salad, and then like an arrow pointing down to himself. My God. It was the <laughs> <best>. <laughs> you, uh, You're a wrestling fan. You're a big sports fan. And you started playing college football. <clears throat> yeah, I played for two schools in Illinois, and then I played for a school in Missouri, Lincoln University. Okay. Yes, I see that in my notes now. <laughs> That's right. You did play there. <laughs> you did, you are correct. You did play there. So, um, what now? What position did you play? I played a bunch of different positions. Uh, so in high school, I started at receiver, and then I moved to cornerback, and then I moved to quarterback. Okay. And then in college, I played receiver and cornerback and then in the semi-pros i played quarterback and running back is this is this where the acting bug kind of started to take it was over? my freshman year of college uh is when the acting when it when it happened when when i had the whole like playing football and the coach gave me these classes and then uh uh it was like a theater class that i'd never went to because okay. all my class all my teammates said they never went to the class 
And they was exaggerating, obviously, but I take everything literal. And you say you never go to class. I never went to a class. I never went to this class. And um, and I remember the, the teacher calling me and he was saying, since you've never come to my class, I can't pass you. Uh, I'm going to have to flunk you unless you do a play for me. And he wanted me to be crooks of an, of an, of mice and men. Oh, okay. And I wanted no part of it. I was like, why, why, like, why would you, that's stupid. And in high school, my coach would get me out of something like this. Like if I fought and got suspended, my coach, I'd go to the coach and he'd be like, all right, you're done. You can go back to class now. And so my coach would always take up for me in high school. I thought my college coach would do the same. And I, he did not. He, said, <laughs> <laughs> he, thought he thought it'd be hilarious if I did the play and he brought the team. Oh, so, man. That was the rule, and he was like, "Do the play, Rook." So I had to do the play, <laughs> and, and I mean, like the first two weeks, I was just like, I'd go there and be like, "I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this." Kind of, and I had that whole frame of mind, and I was just like, very negative about it. And um, but after like that, I guess the second week, I fell in love, man, and I was like, "Oh, this is so much fun." Um, I just fell in love with the stage. I fell in love with that play. And um, we did it. We did the production, and it was it went really well. And yeah. I don't know, Mariano. I just went. I loved it. But I was still playing football at the time, so I didn't focus on acting. I didn't really care. I did another play or two, but I didn't focus on it. I was focused more on football because I thought that's where the money was. Yeah, you you were in a Christmas Carol, right? Yeah, I was in a Christmas Carol. I was. In- what character were you in a Christmas Carol? Christmas Carol, I was, I wasn't like, uh, it wasn't, I wasn't in it that much. I was kind of like, you're like Caroler number three or something, or something like that. Yeah. Vendor number three. Yeah. Yeah. So that was me. I mean, like I didn't get, I didn't get much burn. I did a good man, Charlie Brown too, but they didn't use me. I was, I was the light man. I did the light (laughs) cue. (laughs) Dude, I would have, if you said you were Franklin, I would have just said, okay, we're done. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I did the lighting cues. That. Shows over. Um, shows over. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, that was that. You end up going to uh, Lincoln University, and yeah. you started uh, studying to be a teacher. Yeah. All right, tell me a little bit about that. What what drew you to being a teacher? What drew you to education? Oh, so my freshman year uh, at Illinois Valley. I was in this program called Powers, People of the World and Racism, and it was it was an acronym. <clears throat> and um, and we would go to these schools, and it was a mostly white community. So like the only black people that was in this community was the football players that came to the school, or the basketball players that came to the school. So it was in Oglesby, Illinois. It's not known for black people. I was gonna people, say but... that sounds like a really white place. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so they had us like we would go to these uh, schools, these elementary schools, and we would play with the kids and we would just like, you know, show them that black people aren't what you see on TV. Black people are fun. Black people are fun, too. So yeah. we would go and we would, and we would play with these kids and we would talk to them and we would hang out with them. And and it was saying, like, if you start them early enough, you know, they won't be racist. They they wouldn't be able to be racist. And okay. and that like talking to those kids and playing with those kids and hanging out with those kids made me want to mold young minds. Like if I could 
catch him at a young age, at an early age, and then uh, like spread the word on like the racism or the the education or whatever. If you catch him early enough, you can steer them in the right direction. And how long were you in that program for? Uh, I was in that program until I left that college. I was, uh, grad, um, <clears throat> so for two years, I was in that program. So you could actually be a teacher in Illinois right now. Uh, I could. I could probably be a teacher. Yeah. Um, well, my elementary education was in Missouri. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, once I transferred, then I had to pick a new major. My new major was elementary education. So then I was in that program for, I think, two years as well. <clears throat> so what made you go out to L.A.? So I was playing football and I was doing elementary education at Lincoln. So now, and- now, when you say you're playing football, was this for for the college or we? Yeah. Okay. This was for the college. I was playing for the college, uh, Lincoln University, but they didn't play me much. So they uh, they had these guys that they would play over me because they were seniors or whatever reasons. It wasn't a talent thing. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that. So they would play guys over me. Uh, so I went and joined the semi-professional league. So... Um, uh my professional league and college at the same time. And you're not supposed to do this. <laughs> you're not supposed to do this. And then I got hurt while I was in the semi-pros. So uh, when I got hurt, I decided to leave school because I couldn't play for the school anymore. And um, yeah, I decided to leave school and see what would, what I could do out here. <clears throat> Man, you know, if, so, if, there was no more football for me. If anybody from a, uh... You know, Lincoln University hears this. You might bring the death penalty down on that school's football program. Well, no, I mean they didn't. They didn't know anything <laughs> else. <laughs> You're gonna get sanctioned for for, for Lincoln if University. Happens, if the death penalty happens to that school, is because stuff that they were doing, not because. <laughs> All right, so so you got you get hurt, and you just decided the hell that I'm going to L.A. I got hurt and I was, I didn't know what to do. So I was still, once I got hurt, I was still at the school and I was still doing the education thing, <clears throat> but I didn't know, I didn't want to graduate. If I, if I would have graduated and became a teacher, I felt like life would have just passed me by. It would have been like, uh, I would have been an old man just grading papers and that would have been my life. So I decided, I wanted to see if there was something else. So I wanted to come out. I gave myself a couple of years to come out here and see if I could make it as an actor or as a comedian. Okay. And uh, so I gave myself two years. If if things weren't working out, I'd go back, finish my degree, and teach. Um, but I I just haven't had to go back yet. Well, that's good. <clears throat> that's good. Yeah. So, what were you doing uh, acting wise while you're in at at Lincoln? Were you were you in any of the drama programs there? Or you just no, not at all. I didn't do any anything artistic at Lincoln at all. <clears throat> I think wow. for for those years, I was yeah, I was really just playing football and because uh, I was playing at two I was playing at the school and I was playing um, semi professionally, so I didn't have time for anything else. <clears throat> so once you got hurt, it, you just sitting. You were just thinking, you're like, hey, you know, I liked acting, and is that? Yeah, yeah, I was hurt. I was. I was hurt and I was thinking like, look, okay, I can go be a teacher. <clears throat> I can try to fix my knee and play again. Or I remember I did that acting thing at, at Illinois Valley and that was fun. <laughs> that, <kind of laughs> that acting thing. I yeah. remember that act. 
thing. Uh, that was kind of fun. Maybe I could give that a try. <clears throat> so when you you moved out to LA, decided to give yourself two years. What kind of stuff were you doing when you first arrived? I mean, because I know you didn't, you weren't getting you know acting gigs right off the bat. No, no, you definitely you. I wasn't getting acting gigs off the bat. Um, I did a lot of background work, so it's like if you're in a movie, you have the stars, obviously. Uh, you have the co-stars and all that kind of stuff. But the background work is the people that you see behind them doing everyday things, like doing their life. Okay. That's the background. So like so, you, you like the, the part of the screaming crowds in the Godzilla movies. Yeah, like uh, I was doing I did a lot of that. Yeah. So that helped me out because you get paid for it. They feed you Ooh. and and you um you get I get to be on set. So I got to see how it was on set. I got to see like the cuts, the action, see if I could really do this. <clears throat> uh, see how people remember their lines, see where they stand. I, I would watch all this stuff all the time when I was on sets um, just so I can get the lay of the land. Okay. Um, so I did that um, and I would do student films. I would do like my own productions. I would do like short films that I wrote, stuff like okay. that. So what was the, the first Hey, real, real big, I guess um, the background work would be the first paying gig, but what's the, what was your first real professional credit? <clears throat> um, so the first credit was, um, it was, you know, if I, I think it was America's most wanted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. I think you, it was America's most wanted. It was this explain lady. Explain this one a little bit. She was, she was, there was this lady and she was like a, a, a pimp or of, some, of sorts. And she had her hands and everything. And she was like, she was a, pro, she was a pimp. She was, she had prostitutes. She was a drug dealer. So she had like guys working for her and she was like a daycare lady or something like that. So she had a daycare. Well, that goes <clears> hand in hand. Hand in hand. But so she sent these two dudes to kill a girl and they, I was one of the guys that went to go kill this girl. And I remember, like, it was my first thing, my first thing. And I was really scared that somebody would, like, see me at the post office and be like, that's the guy, that's the guy that killed <laughs> So it was, it was bittersweet. I was really happy about, like, landing an acting gig, but I was also scared that somebody would see me and call the cops on me or something. <laughs> so that progressed into, uh, I guess, to bigger and, and bigger roles. And uh, so you've been on some well-known shows. I mean, you did, you, you were on dog with a blog and your sons of anarchy. Is that a, a well-known show? My kids know it. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember dog with a blog. That was fun. That was fun. I was like a poet, a street poet or something. Street. That, that was at the credit. It, was, it wasn't like a name. It was just a title. Street poet. Yeah. It was a street poet. And <laughs> I remember like maple, maple donuts or something like that. <laughs> I was talking. And, and but that show was so weird because it was like filmed in front of an audience and but the dog had a handler so wherever he was going this handler would go and he would like climb up on stage while I was doing my work he would he would just be everywhere and that was really hard that <laughs> was weird to get used to that this guy would just come right right up to you while you saying your lines and everything <laughs> just and crawling all over you and he'd be so loud like down down dog down dog and I was like well, I'm supposed to keep going what's happening <laughs> so yeah so how does that work I mean did, did 
Did they, does it Mike not pick him up or they edit it after? I would. I don't know. They well, they edited it. I guess <laughs> it was so weird. It was so weird. That's so but we did crazy. it like three shows. So we did one. It was like a um, I don't know for like the producers and their families, and then um, and then we did the test run for the network, and then we did the run. So I guess they picked it up somewhere in there. Yeah. So and then you moved on to you played Vandross on Sons of Anarchy, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I have I, I never watched Sons of Anarchy, and and I just I looked you up, and I didn't realize that. The other dude's name was Luther. <laughs> yeah, the, you're, was, you're, the guy who plays your brother in the scenes is Luther. I just thought Vandross, man, that's a that's a cool name for like a badass. Vandross is a badass. It well, if you watch the episode, he's kind of a badass, but his mom smacks the shit out of him. Yes, him and Luther. <clears throat> him and Luther, and the, so this mom, she was supposed to be like a Gemma. Of, oh, you didn't watch the show. She was kind of like. Uh, a badass. She had eight kids, but we only get, it was supposed to be more of the show, but we never got, we never went back. And two of our kids was Luther and Vandro. So I wish, I wish we would have went on. So we would have known what those other kids names were. No kidding. I mean, it... Barry and white. <laughs> Freddie Jackson. Tito. <laughs> Tito. I mean that God, Luther and Van... I'm trying to, I'm just blanking on, on any other silly name so i'm not gonna go i don't i'm not i don't want to get myself in trouble here so <laughs> so then you moved on from from those roles and you got a job with uh, well you got a, a part on the the show ballers for on hbo mm-hmm. how was i guess how was that audition because i can imagine that it it, it was was the rock there? Was it was, was everybody there? Did you have to read in front of everybody? Like, how did it, no. how did it go down? No. So, the audition was it was just me and the casting director and the camera, and um, so I auditioned for Reggie's part for London London's part. Okay, yeah. So I auditioned for Reggie for like, um, I think the first two or three times. And then I, I didn't get that part, obviously. And then I went back in and read for TTD's part. And again, it was just me and the casting director uh, the first two times. And then I think maybe a producer, a director uh, the last time. And then six months later, I heard I got the part. Six months? It was a, Yeah, it was a long time after I auditioned before I got the part. I, I, I didn't even think about it anymore. So... Like after an audition, I kick it out of my head unless I hear something back. Like so, once I audition, as soon as I leave that place, all of that's gone. It's done unless I get a call back, and then I'll bring it all back and I'll do it again. Okay. But it's it's out of my head. It's out of my mind. So I didn't even think about it anymore. I thought that was it. It happened so long ago, and and I get a call, and they was like, "Oh, you booked that thing, the the ballers, the Miami thing," and I was like, "What are you, what are you even talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? And he was like the my the the show with the rock, the Miami thing. And I was like, oh oh shit, all right. Because it was I didn't I didn't even remember it. It was so long ago. <laughs> Do you think uh, your uh, sports, your athletic background helps you out in the role at all? I don't think well, it that, does. That's just coincidental. It's just coincidental. I didn't do anything athletic on the show. 
I'm more, I'm just a wingman kind of just, I guess I'm a role player. So I, I know how to play the role. Well, uh, I'll tell you though, that the role that you're playing has expanded over the past few seasons. I mean, you're getting a lot more time in front of the camera compared to season one. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I was only supposed to be, I went there and it was like a one. So it was just supposed to be me going there, doing that one thing and then leaving. Okay. And uh, so I went there, I did the one and they was like, can you stay and do another episode? And I was like, yeah, I can stay. So they left, kept me in Miami and I did another episode. Then they asked me if I could come back. And I was like, yeah, of course I'll come back. So no. that one turned to three in the first season. And then in the second season, it turned to six. And then in the fourth season, nine. And then this one, nine. That's a, that's a huge step up. I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think of an, of a, another instance where a smaller character just started to develop because you know you don't get a real feel for who TTD is in the in season one, but it's obvious that that they like what you've turned TTD into. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Really, I mean, I mean, I love that. I love that. I love what they turn. I love what they allow me to turn them into. I love that they giving me more time. I love that uh, me and Ricky get to like play off each other, or me and JD get to play off each other. It's so much fun. I love. It. All the leeway that they given me. Yeah, I mean, you you've really become a like a support character for for uh, uh, John David's character, uh, Ricky Jarrett. Yeah. So, and the, the the cool thing and the thing that I see a lot on social media is that everybody loves the uh, shirts that TTD wears. Yeah. TTD gets some yeah. sweet t shirts. Get some cool t shirts. I love them. How does that work? Uh, do you get to bring those in, or does the wardrobe just make a determination on what you're what weird shirt you're gonna wear? Well, Tiff, the stylist, um, Tiff had, Tiffany Hasborn, she is, she's killer. She does Atlanta. She does, um, like all a bunch of shows. Oh, wow. So she'll come in, she'll have a bunch of shirts and she'll just have me pick like, which ones would you want to wear? I'll pick mine. She'll pick hers. And then that's that. Those are the shirts TTD you get to wear. <laughs> We were just talking about the role expanding. Is that something you know ahead of time before they start shooting for the season at, at this point, or do you just find out as you get the scripts? You find out as you get the scripts. Oh. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Season five. I don't know. You know, I don't even know if TD TTD is around in season five. Right. Oh, uh, God. You get the scripts and you either end them or you're not. <laughs> so I'm pleasantly surprised every time. I'm like, I'll get a script and I'll just scroll, see if TTD's in there. Like, oh man, there he is. All right, there we go. So they'll they'll send you scripts even if you're not in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that's that's interesting. At least you get to know what's going on in the in the series, even if you're not in it. I actually don't read it. If uh, <laughs> I only read my parts, and they, <laughs> I only read my parts because I'm a I'm a big fan of the show and I want to watch it. I want to watch it as it happens. So I only know what happens in my parts. Um, I don't read anything else. Oh, okay. So so even if when you're filming, you're just concentrating on your scenes and not yeah. worried about anything Unless else. Unless they do, they'll say like, oh, so in, in episode three, somebody's doing this, so you need to make reference to that. And I'll do it. I'll do it that way. But most of the time, it's, I, can, I don't read them. I don't read them because I, I like to watch it. I, I love to watch the show. Uh, I love the show. I, and 
I know you and I've kind of known each other for a couple of years now, but even if you weren't in it, I'd like it. So the fact that <laughs> the fact that you're in it and I know you and it, it makes it better, but it, I still, I, I actually love that show. So I'd watch it if I wasn't in it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the worst interview an interview? Well, probably this one. What was the worst audition that you've ever had? <laughs> The worst audition I've ever had. Yeah, you but, like go in and just like you know, I don't know, trip over. Up and, yeah, just crap. Uh, the bed. I, I mean, I don't know if I've ever done that. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure I have. But the worst, I would say, my worst audition was this one. I don't even know what it was for, <laughs> but I had, to, I had to go in and give a strip tease. What? <laughs> Oh, I, had, I had to go in and give a strip tease, and I was like, "Wait, what? No, no it, was, it was very, it was very, like I don't know, I don't know if I could do this. I was, oh I don't know, man, if I can do it." And then they was like, "It's a, just you know, go if you can't do it, don't worry about it." So uh, I had to go in and give a strip tease, and it was like, <laughs> I get there, and it was a stripper pole. <laughs> <laughs> There's a stripper pole there, and uh, so I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't gonna do it sexy because I just, I didn't feel comfortable with it. So I just got on it and I just tried to make a joke out of it and dress, like the the lady in that uh, Carl's Jr. commercial. Oh that, yeah. I was got, kind of, it was. I probably, I think I fell down a couple times. So it was, it was exactly like that. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. And I wish, a, I wish you remember what that was for, and b, I wish there was some kind of video of that. Oh my God! I hope there's no video there. I hope it's like laws against the game. <laughs> that was horrible, horrible. So you made it. You you turned it comedic, and you do have a bit of a comedic background. You've you've done some stand up and all, right? Yeah, I did stand up for a couple of years when I first got out here. Uh, it was fun. It was really fun. Is it uh, scary to go up on stage? And did you take classes? Like, uh, one of the things that I've been able to do, fortunately, was take some improv classes and I loved it. And I know they do classes for stand up. Is that, is that something you did before you get on stage? Or you just jump right in and do it. They do have stand up classes. Um, and I took an improv class well after I did stand up. Um, so yeah, I did, I just jumped on stage and I, I remember it was, um, potluck at the comedy store. So it was like a Sunday night. And, um, so 40 comics will come and draw, numbers for 20 spots oh. and uh you get a spot the next week you can come back and do three minutes so i remember doing it and i was like if I, i'll pick a number and if i get a spot i'll write three minutes of material and i'll come back and i'd pick the number i did pick it i got a number and i did that i went and wrote three minutes of material and i came back the next week and i did it and it was scary it was like i remember uh i put up I didn't even put my name. I don't think I put Deontay Carl or something like that. And I was like, they don't know who this guy is. <laughs> when they call my name, I, I don't have to go up. If And I, I remember being scared. I like pooped a bunch of times. I was, <laughs> it was, it was real. It was like nerve. It was nerve wracking to, uh, to do it. Um, and then I did it and it was fun. I wasn't funny. I don't think I was really funny. People laughed and it was, it was sweet of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bless their hearts. But, yeah, it was, it was nice. They laughed. And um, and afterwards, I was like, you had a, you had this high, like an adrenaline rush that you, you've you never felt before. It's, yeah. it's just crazy. 
And I've not, you, I've still haven't gotten that. You only get that through comedy. It's crazy how good you feel afterwards. And then I, I wanted to do more stand up. So I would do more stand up. I would do stand up all the time. But every time I would get that, I would poop a lot. I would get nervous. I'd be like, oh my God. It got easier, I guess. After a while, you just like be able to go up and you like once you get, once you got comfortable with silence on stage, you could, you could play more and you could, you could do more things. Yeah. Uh, it didn't, I didn't, I didn't work out for me. I stopped and I wanted to focus more on acting, I think. I'll, I'll admit to you right now, I'm a nervous pooper too. Are you a nervous pooper? Yeah. Like what? God, it was- it's the worst because I'll I'll tell you uh, my buddy Mike and you and you, you know Mike, we uh, yeah. we took those improv classes together and we weren't even going on stage. This is just like first day of of improv class where mm. I had no idea what the hell was going on. Mike and I just go to the DC Improv and we're sitting in the side room there and other bunch of people come in and we're just sitting there waiting for somebody. I'm like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And so I get up <laughs> and I go to the bathroom and then come back out and like, still waiting for people to show up. I'm like, I gotta go again. <laughs> and it, it just I gotta make sure that I go before I do whatever important thing I'm doing because I'll, it's it, otherwise it'll just be a disaster on stage and you don't do space work with crap in your pants stomach and like uh like trying to hold one in you so I gotta I gotta get him out yeah exactly you can't, I can't concentrate on on space work with a, when I've got a load in my pants you can't do it you can't do it no I don't think anybody could do well Robin Williams may have been able to do it. I think he probably did do it. Probably did do it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you also uh, you also have some musical talent. Mm, yeah. So I want to talk to you. I want to find out a little bit more about this. So have you, have you played music for a long time? I know you're in a band right now, and I want to get to that in a minute, but I want to find out a little bit more about your musical background. Is that something you've always had, or is it something new to you? It's, it's new. I've been playing bass for three years now. Um, I learned for the for the band. Do you play anything else besides bass? No. No, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I just learned the bass for this for the band, and I'm not even I'm not even where like I want to be a better bass player than what I am right now. So like when I get some time, I'm gonna take lessons and, or like play with a bunch of basses and learn different things because I feel like it's more out there to the bass than I know my Rob, the guy in our band, he plays guitar. He's a really good bass player. So he taught me what I know, but he says he doesn't think he's a really good bass player. So he says he taught me all he can teach me. I need to go somewhere else and learn more. So how, so, did, how did you meet the guys in the band? So, and tell me who's in the band. I know, I know a few of them, but I, I don't think anybody listening right now knows the band. Oh, so our drummer is Kent Irwin. Um, the second guitar is Tom Lally. The first lead guitar is Rob Danson, and the lead singer is Michael Rosenbaum. Michael, acoustic guitar. Okay, so he plays the acoustic guitar, and Michael is—he played Lex Luthor in Smallville, Buddy Dobbs yeah. and in Pastor, and Buddy Dobbs and. <laughs> Martin X in Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Volume two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty good guy to have on in your band. So Yeah, he's really cool. He's really cool. How did you meet these guys? 
Um, so you know Eric Rosenbaum? Yes, he's on my other podcast. On my other podcast. So he uh, knows a friend of mine named Clarence, and Michael and uh, Eric and all of those friends would play football, flag football. So okay. my friend knew that I played football, and he asked me if I wanted to play with these guys. So I came and played with them. Um, and at first I would just play football with them, and then they started inviting me around. So I'd go hang around with them and, uh, like, go to Michael's house and, like, for birthdays or, like, holidays and stuff like that. And then uh, we would just play sports all the time. We would hang out all the time. And then Michael said one day, like, Man, we should play. We should play some music. Let's play some covers in my basement. And um, <laughs> that seems just, like a like, weird request. Yeah, I mean, him and Lally had all like I think they were, they had the shit sandwich in college, so they would them two would play music all the time. So him and Lally would sit around like we would watch movies. They would break out the guitars and they would like play some songs and stuff like that. They would play covers of songs. So. My friend Coolidge had a set of like electric drums and he said that he'd bring his electric drums over to put with the guitars. And um, Rob was a, a great electric guitar player. So he said he'd bring his guitar and Michael had a bass, like this really old bass at his house. And he was like, uh, you could, you could play, you could come over and play that bass. And I didn't know how to play bass at the time, but I was in this <laughs> other band. I was in another band where I played the MPC it's a module that holds sound. So I was playing this MPC and his other band okay. and they needed. So I told them if they teach me the bass lines to their songs that I can play them. And they, uh, I don't know. They didn't want to teach me, but, and I told Michael that they was going to, that that was a possibility. And he was like, well, we'll teach you how to play the bass here. You can play at my place. And Rob taught me like, I would play all the, you can play all the notes on one chord If you want on one string, if you wanted to. Yeah. So they, they taught me that at first, and I would just play all the notes on this one string, on the E string. Yeah. Uh, and then Rob would teach me, like, well, you can do the E here, 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 and here. And then he would teach me, like, the G is here, here, here. And I would just pick it up, and he would, like, teach me, if you want to go here to here, this is what we're doing. So I would just keep doing it, and that's kind of how I learned. And that's how we play. So we would play covers in the basement. Michael would put up the, uh, like, the lyrics and the chords would be on the on the lyrics. Okay. And you play to the chords. So we would play to the chords and sometimes we'd play the song and play with the song. And then, uh, but Coolidge was our drummer at the time and Kent was playing like a keyboard. He had like a keyboard with a Wawa pedal. And oh my gosh. Yeah. So we was just like, we would just jam in the basement and we would just hang out and smoke a ton of weed. And that was what we would do. And then one time, like Coolidge wrote a movie. So he was like always gone. He was on set. And then Kent went to drums. So Kent have never played drums before playing with this, with this band. Okay. Um, we moved to drums and we would play, but Coolidge would never be around. So Kent would be the drummer. And he'd be like, dude, let, why don't we just jam? Why don't we just jam? So we would get stoned as hell and we would play like a cover <laughs> of a song. And then at the end, we would just go into a jam and we would just jam it out for like maybe 15, 20 minutes. Oh, nice. And then we would start, we just kept doing that a lot. We would jam and then we, Michael would start saying like, all right, wait, we're going to do this. Let's do a G to a D to an A to a C. And then we'll do that. We'll do that for about like five minutes. And then it starts sounding good. And then Michael off the top of his head would just start spitting out these lyrics. Oh, wow. And it'd be a whole song. And we, 
Like we'd be like, we just played a whole song. How the hell did that just happen? <laughs> and uh, so we would do that. We would, we would do that all the time. So we would play the cover, then we would jam, and then Mike would start spitting out these lyrics. So then I would I just start recording like with my iPhone, and uh, so I would record our rehearsals, and then I'd listen to it and I'd be like, dude, this song sound kind of good, and I'd send it to the boys, and they'd be like, man, we should try to play that song again. Yeah. And that's how it happened. We start, we start just making songs so together. At this point, the band was shit sandwich. Yeah, we were shit sandwich at that time. And which is, you know, a, a nice point to my favorite movie of all time, Spinal Tap. Yeah, I love that movie. And then you guys, I guess, decided to get a little more serious, so you changed the name to just the Sandwich. Well, we so Jason Mans. Was he also played sports with us, and he has this band, and he would like uh, do these shows all the time. And he, him, and his band had a album release party, the Station Breaks. So they had an album release party at the Troubadour, and he told Michael, he's like, "I heard you and your band play music. Why don't y'all come and play for me at the Troubadour? Open up for my album release party." Nice. And we was like, "Really? What? Seriously?" He was like, "Yeah, no." We I heard y'all good. Come do it. Let's do it. Jeez. Then he, he came to hear us play and he was like, all right, yeah, for real. Come play. Come play this thing at the Troubadour. And we made three songs, I think. And we learned them. And then we went to the Troubadour and we played those three songs for Jason Mans. So on the it was on the billboard in front of the Troubadour. We didn't want it to be Jason Mans and shit sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it <was> disrespectful. <laughs> We felt that we was disrespectful, so yeah, we took the sandwich, <laughs> and that's how, that's how that name came about. That's very nice of you guys. <laughs> yeah. So then you you actually had a tour of Germany as the sandwich, as the sandwich, yeah. So the so you're, so your opening your first actual gig out in public was at the Troubadour, which you know tons of amazing bands have played there. The Doors played there, I yeah. <laughs> And then, and then you go and you tour Europe for a little while. Yeah, that's pretty insane, yeah, that, dude. That was fun. That was fun, man. I mean, that? I've never been to country until I mean I went to Germany for that tour. Oh wow! I, I've heard stories from Eric and uh, from listening to Michael has a podcast, and for me listening to that, I've heard some weird stories about Michael. What's it like touring with him and the other guys? Um, weird stories. I mean, it's most of them um, include farting and poop. Fart. It's uh, so much farting. I, I'm not accustomed to so much farting. I mean, I fart, uh, obviously, but I try to keep them quiet or you know out of, out of the way. This guy, like no other, he takes pride in it, and it's a, it's a video circulating on YouTube, or I think they just put it on Instagram or something. But Michael, as we in a tour bus and we uh, being driven to one of our gigs, and Michael puts his ass in Lally's face and farts. Oh, and the guy, and the guy who's driving us, because he he's driving us to the his name was Uli. He's this really cool dude. And Rob looks at Uli and says, "Uli, can you believe this guy's forty five years old?" And Uli said, "Uli says once a pig, every time a pig." <laughs> 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 it's all on video. They just put that on Instagram. But that's, I mean, that's how it is. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. But it's a lot of farts. It's, it's way, too many. way too much gas. Man, you know, yeah. 
Maybe you guys can, uh, you know, slip some Beano in his drinks or something. <laughs> that Dude, you could probably get sponsored by Beano. <laughs> yeah, Left on Laurel, sponsored by Beano. So, all right, so now how did you guys become, go from shit sandwich to the sandwich to Left on Laurel? Well, all right, so. And why? Because this, this sounds, it's starting to sound a little unstable. I know. So uh, the thinking was that we wouldn't be taken seriously as a band as the sandwich. So I still, I love the sandwich. Lally loves the sandwich. Michael Kent and Rob hated the sandwich. They oh. hate the sandwich. And I love the sandwich. I know. I love the sandwich. It's, it, it sticks in it, your it, head. You name the door or the salad or the anything. And I'm like, what? It's You can be named the sandwiches, but they hated it. So we had to change it. So how did you guys come up with Left on Laurel? How did Is you it, come up with it? It sounds like some kind of like like male version of the Indigo Girls or something. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I wasn't really in on that process. I didn't like I didn't like the names. I didn't like the naming process. So I, I, I bowed out. You just say, I've, I just want to play. Whatever you guys want to do, it's fine. I want to play. If you want to be Left on Laurel, I'll be Left on Laurel and I'll play. We'll be right on Redondo. I don't care. Whatever it is, I'm I'm in. Let's play. So uh, it's left on Laurel. They named it left on Laurel. And you guys just went back to Germany not too long ago, right? Yeah, we went back. Um, November. Yeah, we just came back actually, and it was a festival called the Rockwood Festival. It okay. was really fun. So now you're playing so- festivals. <laughs> Troubadour yeah. touring Europe, and now festivals. You guys are just ba- pretty much your Pearl Jam. <laughs> is that how Pearl Jam did it? That's how they did it. I'd Little... love to be Pearl Jam. <laughs> Do you guys have uh, any albums coming out? I know you guys have been recording, right? We've recorded. We've we got one more, two more days in the studio, and that'll be in January. And um, and then our album is coming out in February. Oh, nice! Isn't that is it going to be a full length, or is it going to be like an EP or full length? We had we sold an EP in Germany, uh, just for the German just for the German people at this Rockwood Festival. Just for the germs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we sold we we sold out of our CDs too. So uh, we oh, didn't bring it. We couldn't bring it back. That was fun. That was cool. That's awesome. That was that was awesome. But we didn't think we like we took we didn't we didn't think that we uh, sell out. It was crazy. Yeah, but the album will be out in February. I think it'll be like eleven songs on it. Oh wow, that's awesome! Now, did you guys do were the songs pretty much created before you went to the studio, or was any of it a result of just working other stuff out in the studio? No, it was done. Um, like the songs are done when we get to the studio. Okay, and they they I would say they about ninety percent done. Um, we also like Jason Mans is producing the album, and he's a really good producer. So. If we get there and we crank out our song and as Jason sees something that'll make it better, he'll let us know. Or uh, Zach Darlin is our engineer and he's always, he's the same. So we did one song called fire uh, that we have and it's a trippy song. It's, it's slowed and it's ramps up and then it goes back slow and then it ramps up again. And at the end, uh, Zach came in, like we just held this note. We held this note. And Zach came in, and he starts messing with pedals and like all kind of stuff and making these really trippy sounds. And then it's, and it's going to be on the album. It sounds really cool. Oh, that's awesome. And 
So that's something that just happened in a studio. See, that's the kind of stuff I love. All the weird noises, the accidental sounds that come up. Yeah, yeah, that was really fun. That was fun. They really fun to work with. And that's how, like, so we go in with our songs. We know our songs that we want to do. And sometimes it would be like uh, Michael was playing My Everything, I think, at in the studio. And we wasn't going to record this song, but Michael was just playing it because it was one of the songs that he played. And he plays it acoustically and... Jason was like, what is that song? Michael said, it's my everything. And Jason was like, mic up his guitar. We need to record this right now. And they recorded that song. And that's going on. We wouldn't even plan on putting that one on the album. But uh, Jason heard it. He loved it. And then they put, I think they uh, either put in Brianna Buckmaster or Emma Fitzpatrick on it. So, Oh, nice. Or Skylar Stone Street. It's Skylar Stone Street. So she's on on the song. And, uh, a duet with Michael and Skylar Stone. That's fantastic. Now, do you guys plan on doing any touring after the album is released? Is it just going to be local to California? You guys want to branch out a little bit? I guess basically what I'm asking is, is this, do you guys want to make this something more, something bigger, or you just going to kind of let it see if it'll grow organically and let it progress? Yeah, I think it's organic, man. Like what, well, the way it's been happening is the way it's been happening. Uh, we have no idea what's I think I think we just like we letting it happen as it happens. The way it's been happening has just been like a weird organic thing. So we're just letting it run its course. But if uh you know enough people ask us to come somewhere and it's could happen, we'll do it. You know, one thing that you might want to consider with the band to maybe give it a little more stability. I know a guy who plays mandolin. Oh my god. Maybe you guys his, his name is Tommy Caprio. Maybe you guys should add some mandolin. We should get some mandolin in there. Yeah. Yeah, we invite Tommy to come and jam with us, and he never shows up. So He tells me you guys <laughs> kicked him out. That's because he never shows up. <laughs> well, I guess that would be one reason to get kicked out of a band. Yeah. He just he don't show up. And friends, and he's like trying to steal everybody from the sample. <laughs> yes. So if you guys should tour together. I don't know who's going to, who the hell's going to be in and friends, but <laughs> it's just going to be Tommy. It'll just be a solo mandolin performance. That'll be a perfect name for a solo mandolin artist is and friends. Yes. It's got to be plural. It's just them. Yeah. I would love to hear Tommy do like Van Halen, the eruption on the mandolin. That would be, we got to get him to do this. No. Well, you, all right. So what you got to do is you got to get and friends to open up. For, for left, left on, on Laurel. Laurel, left on Laurel and friends, and and friends no. opens for left on Laurel. This is getting too yeah. complicated. It's craziness. It's too crazy. <laughs> Carl, man, I've taken up a whole lot of your night, man. Thank you so much for coming on with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Man. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 